We've got uh, two passages this morning, uh, one which is a single verse, uh, both from 2 Timothy. First one, 2 Timothy chapter 1, and just reading verse 5, and then we'll go through to 2 Timothy chapter 3, 14 to 17. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. And across to chapter 3, reading from verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that all God's people may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks, Tony. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, again for your word. And as we do each week, we ask that you would speak to us, that your Holy Spirit might take your word to achieve your purposes. Shape us, change and develop our thinking to think correctly, and shape our lives to live and honour and obey you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, on this day, Mother's Day, it's also an honest statement to say that not everybody has or had a great mum. Not everybody has a great family background. Some have experienced quite deep hurt and trauma from their parents. That was not God's will, it's not God's intention, and uh, the father's heart would grieve for you because of that but nonetheless the bible still says even when our parents haven't been the best for us we still have to honor them to respect the position if not the person of course if you've got a loving kind generous and gracious mum as most of us probably did then it's easy to do that But the Bible is clear, and we find ourselves in this series on the commands of Jesus, and all of us have wrestled this week, well, how do you link the commands of Jesus with mothers on Mother's Day? What did Jesus actually command mothers to do? Well, there are a couple of little things, but each of us are going to go off the reservation a little bit today in terms of what we're doing. Oh, whatever. I turned it on. I think the battery's dead. Did it work? Yeah, well, I didn't do that. Gary did that, didn't you? Thank you, Gary. I think the battery died, mate. There's no lights on. Yep. Um, what was I saying? <laughs> We're doing a series on the commands of Jesus. That's right. And what did Jesus command about women? So I, I read... Again, today I flipped through, this week I flipped through many of the commands, uh, the Gospels, looking for what did Jesus say about women? And so I've got some general truths that I particularly want to target mums. But of course, I'm not just talking to mums. God has a word for all of us. And so if you're not a mum, then don't switch off. You know, don't go to sleep 
Though if you need to go to sleep, by all means do that. It's, we minister to the whole person. There's something that you're here today because there's something God wants to say to you. Um, as I said, we are commanded in the scriptures on numerous occasions to honour our mums. And Jesus does say that in Matthew 19. Uh, he talks, I think, to the rich young ruler. And the guy says, what have I got to do to get to heaven? What have I got to do to be right with God? And Jesus rattles off the commandments. And one of the commandments he gives is, honour and respect your mother and father. So Jesus just simply lines himself up with the Old Testament instructions. That's no surprise, is it? That Jesus is clear on that. And the Bible is also clear that we are not to despise our mothers in their older age, Proverbs 23 and 20. In fact, if we revile our mums, if we speak ill of them, it's a death penalty. Matthew 15, 4 and following. Jesus says that again, quoting the Old Testament. And if you strike your mum, and I hope you never have, but some of us, out of sinfulness and anger, I guess, have crossed that line, well, we suffer the same fate. In the Old Testament, it would be the death penalty. So you can be glad you're not living in those days. Women are made in the image of God. They are equal to man. They're not the other, they are simply the other half, they're not the better half. Contrary to the way it's often said. And now to become specifically with the Lord Jesus. Jesus was very comfortable and he readily referenced women in his teaching and his illustrations. Either just women generally and or mothers particularly. In Matthew 13, 33, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a woman who takes, uh, mixes yeast in the flour to leave in it. He's very comfortable talking about illustrating truth with what women were doing in a society where women and children were ignored. Jesus draws attention to them because he's honouring them. He treats them as equals. Or Matthew 24, two women will be grinding together. One will be taken, one will be left at the second coming. Jesus, as I said, commands the rich young ruler to honour your mother and father. In the Gospel of Luke especially, um, there is an emphasis upon women in Jesus' life and in his teaching. Just to rapidly fire go through this, um, the Gospel of Luke opens with an emphasis upon Elizabeth, the story of Elizabeth, Mary and Anna. You have Luke, the Gospel, drawing our attention to the widow of Nain and her son. It's the woman who gave everything that she had in the treasury. It's a woman who anoints Jesus' feet with oil and he protects and blesses her. It's Jairus' daughter that is raised to life. It's Mary and Martha that is a teaching about sitting and listening at the feet of Jesus. There's an intriguing one, and I nearly did a sermon on that this week. So it's filed away for another time. Jesus says, in the midst of a whole lot of warnings, remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. Not Lot. Remember his wife. And I sort of started writing an outline for that, but that became more of a negative message for Mother's Day, and I thought, oh, I'm not going to go there. So another day I'll go negative. It's Jesus who talks about the ten bridesmaids, the widow who lost her coin and goes searching for it. It's a woman who persists and annoys the judge, remember, with give me what you owe me to teach persistence in prayer. It's Jesus who says when he's riding the donkey into Jerusalem, he utters the cry, tell the daughters of Jerusalem. Talking to the women. And of course, it's the women who are at the cross. And who does Jesus appear to first at the resurrection? Mary Magdalene and the women. 
It was a group of them that went. And I love this story, and I've told you before. I love this part of the story. It's in Matthew, where Jesus has greeted Mary Magdalene, and then he has gone, and I guess she's gone. And then the next passage bit of the sequence is that Jesus appears to the other women who had previously been at the tomb but left before he appeared to Mary Magdalene. Does that make sense? So now these women are off and they're heading back somewhere and Jesus greets them. And Matthew just simply says, Jesus says, Hi. Good morning. Or as one little Sunday school said, what would be the equivalent today of Jesus' pretty ordinary mundane greeting? And she said, Oh, I know, I know. Jesus would have gone. Ta-da! <laughs> Don't you love that? It's Jesus honouring women. Jesus taking special note of that, and that's, of course, our focus today with mums. Let me emphasise this. Jesus was no feminist, but he did liberate one and all, and he respected and treated women equally and lovingly. He saw them. He noticed them. In a world where women were not noticed, where the Pharisees and the rabbis, the, those who thought they were so pious and righteous with, right with God, that they would actually close their eyes if a woman was walking down the street. And they would literally walk into walls and in gutters and things, but they wouldn't open their eyes to look upon a woman. It's in that world. When Jesus feeds the 5,000 and the 4,000, how many people were there? When Jesus fed the 5,000, how many people were there? Answer? More than 5,000. Because the Bible says there were 5,000 there, brackets, not counting women and children. Matthew 14. Matthew 15 gets repeated. There are 4,000. How many people were there? More than 4,000. Not counting women and children. That's the world he lived in. And Jesus comes and he turns the tables upside down and writes it and says that we are to treat women as equals and we are to honour them, respect them, love them and care for them. I love Matthew 2.11 where the wise men come to the house. They followed the star and they come into the house. And Matthew 2.11 says they came into the house and they saw his mother and the baby. They saw her in a world where women were not noticed and ignored. Contrasting that, in Luke chapter 11, this will come on, uh, stop there again. In Luke 11, 27 to 28, a woman in the crowd shouts out this, that here could have been a today's text. Blessed is your mum. It's what a woman in the crowd shouts out about Jesus' mum. And she was a special mum. She was a special lady given a great honour and privilege to be the mother of the Messiah and the saviour of the world. Blessed is your mum. Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that fed you and nursed you. You know what Jesus says? Jesus says to this woman, doesn't say, yep, that's true, my mum is blessed. He said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. He's not dishonouring his mum, but he's balancing it. That there is a priority in our relationships. And in this reference in Matthew chapter 12, which I think is on the screen, there tells a story, all of the, Matthew, Mark and Luke all tell this story, where Jesus is teaching and the house is crowded and his mother and brothers come to visit him. And the passage says, 
What is it? Verse 40 something or other. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told them, your mother and brothers are standing outside and they want to talk to you. He said to them, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. He's not disrespecting her. But he is giving us the right priority. That it's him first. It's God first in our life. In fact, Jesus says that even more strongly in Matthew 10. Where he challenges us. Um, when I was in high school, I used to sit next to a, a kid. One of my friends called Tony. And Tony was a brilliant mathematician. Just gifted mathematically. Much smarter than me. And I got, started following Jesus in my last year at high school and I got a little New Testament and I lent it. He wondered what was going on six months later and I gave him a New Testament. He took it home and over the weekend he started to read. He started at Matthew, of course, the first book in the New Testament. And he got to chapter 10 in Matthew and stopped reading. Came back on Monday, gave it back to me and he turned to this passage. How did you go? He said, I started and I don't like it. Jesus says, don't suppose that I've come to bring priests to the earth. I didn't come to bring priests, but a sword. I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against a mother, and so on and so on. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter and so on. Whoever doesn't take up their cross and follow me. Jesus is saying very clearly... We are to honour our mums and our dads and one another and treat each other fairly and respectfully, but we honour him first. We obey him first. And for many of us, and most of the time, that's not intention. We can do both. But when it comes to a choice, and somebody in our church just recently had to make a significant choice where they could not honour, they could not, sorry, they could not obey what their parents were desiring because God was wanting them to do something else. And so they had a very heart-wrenching but very clear decision to make. God or people. And I took that person to Matthew 10. I said, read this. And they did. And for them, then it became clear. That's what Jesus teaches us. We've got to honour our mums, but it's in the context of following him. Matthew 19, Jesus says the same thing. If uh, you leave your mother or father or family and follow me, then you'll be rewarded. Putting me first is what Jesus is saying. Now let me emphasise, Jesus loved Mary, his mum. In fact, I believe he looked after her. I did a sermon on Joseph, I don't know, months ago now. And in researching that, I came to the conclusion, me personally, I think Jesus deliberately stayed home. Joseph has uh, died and gone and Jesus stays home, he stays unmarried and he stays as the major breadwinner in the family, supporting Mary and his younger brothers and sisters. Yep, Jesus had brothers and sisters. Wasn't rejecting her when he says, no, blessed rather are those who have the word of God and keep it. He wasn't dishonouring her, but he was emphasising the importance of following him and of obeying God's word. Because even on the cross... In the midst of all of the agony, physical as well as mental and spiritual particularly, he has enough focus of mind to look down and he sees Mary, his mum. And he says to his 
one of his favourite disciples, John, he says, Behold your mother, and mother, behold your son, and sends her home. Looks after her, even in his dying moments. He loved her, cared for her, honoured and respected her, but was correct in the balance that he gave. Remember uh, the wedding in Cana? They run out of wine, Jesus and the disciples, and Mary's there. And uh, Mary comes to him and says, they've run out of wine, that's a major embarrassment. He says, gently, we can't say it in English in a gentle way, but he says to her, woman, so I guess he's like saying, you know, mum, it's not my time. And she knows him, trusts him. She goes to the service and she says, whatever he says to you, do it. She knows he's going to do something. And that's a great word for us, isn't it? Always. Whatever he says to you, do it. Well, so now, all of that for introduction. Next one, Gary. Where am I up to? Here we go. What would Jesus say to mothers today? There was a great book written by Lee Strobel many, many years ago now, in which he went through some various characters, international celebrities. What would Jesus say to Madonna? And it's a moving book. He empathises and it's a very clear... The principles of Jesus applied to these celebrities. So what would Jesus say to mothers today? This is what I think the Lord Jesus would say. I think he would say a lot. I think he would say four things. It's just going to take me a while to get through them. So I'll try to be as quick as I can. Number first thing Jesus would say is believe in me. That's number one. Trust me. And for many of you, but probably not for all of you, that's already reality. But maybe you're still on the way. If you are still on the way, then what is it that you need? Do you need more information? Do you need answers to your questions? Do you need someone to explain to you how that happens? You're not sure? Well, come and talk to us. There's an Alpha course we're running on a Tuesday night, which is absolutely brilliant. I commend that to you. But we have lots of other resources. And so... If there's something like that, which is a problem for you, or it's causing you to stuck, uh, be stuck or to hesitate, then come and have a chat. Jesus would say, you need to believe in me. To be a godly influence in your home, to influence the next generation, you need to be a sincere believer. A sincere believer. Because great sincere faith has a mighty impact on the next generation, on our kids and grandkids. Even if your husband is not a believer or even if he's a little bit anti Sincere faith is a faith which is real. It's personal. It's not perfect, but it's real. It permeates all of your life, and it's a growing, developing thing. Phony faith. Phony faith is a faith which looks good in public before others, but at home or in the car, it's not seen or it's not heard. In fact, it's often, it'll be contradicted, and the kids will know the difference. Jesus is in the boot of your car, if you remember that analogy. What would Jesus say to you today? Be real in your relationship with me. You believe in God? Well, trust and believe in me also. And your kids will know. Your partner, your husband will know. Your neighbours will know. Your colleagues will know if you walk with God. I like that analogy of a walk with God because it's one step at a time. Real faith is one step at a time, one day at a time. 
Not perfectly. We trip, stumble, get distracted. But it's a walk. It's a slow, forward-moving journey with him. There are times when you'll need to sit with God. There'll be times when you run with God. There'll be times when you soar with God. Sure. That's what Isaiah talks about. The last verse in Isaiah chapter 40 talks about uh, those who wait on the Lord or those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Do you notice the order? I think it's significant. I would have reversed it. Walk, run, soar. But the journey of the Christian life is more the other way. Following God, it's like you'll start soaring and then it'll be running. And eventually it'll become a slow, steady walk. Day by day, the reality of it permeating your life. Well, our church is here to help you to fulfill that, to believe in me, Jesus would say. Second thing Jesus would say is, listen to me. Not just believe and trust me, but listen to me. This command seemed to be on the lips of Jesus just about more than anything else he ever said. Listen. He who has ears to hear, let them hear. Blessed is the, the womb that bore you and the breast that fed you. And Jesus says, no, blessed rather are those who have the word of God and keep it. Listen. To be a godly influence, you need to be a Bible lover. To respect and honour his word, him speaking to you. You need to be reading your Bible, responding to it, quoting it, sharing it, being shaped by it, shaping your attitudes, actions and habits. Many of you know this. Firstly, it's you, the mum or the dad, or you, the single person, or the widower. You, individually, personally, listening to him. And then, after that, influencing those around you. For those of you who are mums and dads and those of you who have young kids at home, if the TV replaces the Bible every night and at every meal, then it won't take long for the kids to figure out what you think is really important. It's Jesus and you listening to him. And we say this all the time, but I'm saying it again this morning. You need, a, you need to know when you're going to listen. What time? What day? Where? What place is it going to be for you to have an appointment with him so that you're tuned in and listening? Yes, you should be listening all the time, but it's also very helpful to have an appointment to do that. I should be listening to Rhonda all the time, shouldn't I? No? No. That's good to know. And she'll text me, she'll ring me, she'll email me. She pesters me all day long. I said that for effect and that was a pretty miserable response. But I still need, she still needs, outside of all of that, you still need sit-down time, face-to-face time each day. When she gets home from work, when I get home from work, or it's when I get home after a meeting at night, it's, we need to chat every day. You need that with Jesus as well. You need a Bible reading plan and you need a process that you're going to go through. Read it, think about it and respond to it and do it with your kids. We'll come back to that in a second. Start with five minutes. If this is not a habit for you, 
give yourself a break and just develop as a habit. One minute to pray, three minutes to read, one minute to respond. Five minutes. When you start, then it'll just naturally grow and develop in you. Susanna Wesley is the one who set the priority for this. She was uh, John Wesley's mother. She had, I think, 17, from memory, 17 children. I think she actually had 21 or 22, and some of those died, if I've got that correct. And so with that many kids and young kids around her all the time, how could she possibly find time alone with God? What did she do? She used to sit in the kitchen. You remember, many of you all remember. She put the apron over her head. And she trained the kids that whenever mum was in the kitchen on the chair and she had the apron over her head, she was talking to Jesus and they better not interrupt her. Or it would be God help you. (laughs) She found a way. You find a way. It doesn't have to be the way that it is for everybody else. Find the way for you. Your relationship with Jesus, that's what's important. Believe him, listen to him. Number three, follow him. Do as he says. To be a godly influence on your kids and the next generation, you need to be a person who is simply doing what Jesus wants you to be doing, obeying him. And make sure you tell the kids that. That's why you're doing what you're doing. We're doing this because I believe this is what God wants us to do, and so on. And then number four, this is the key part for today, I guess. Once you've believed in him, you're listening to him and you're following him, well, now is the next important bit. Now you can teach and train your kids. And this is crucial. It's important. The book of Deuteronomy, which we read it every time we do a child Thanksgiving service, or I read it, because it's a very clear passage with instructions. It says this, Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, about... There is one God, we are to love him with all our heart, soul and mind and strength. Verse 6 says, these commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts, number one. Number two, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the way, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Notice the order. These commands firstly must be on your heart. Believe him, trust him, follow him, you. And then, number two, impress them on your children. That's the sequence. You cannot impart what you do not possess. And that passage, Deuteronomy 6, actually says, talk. Let his influence and his words, his truth permeate your life and your home. When you walk along the way, when you lie down, leisure time, work time, bedtime, breakfast time, meal times. So here are seven very quick things. I hope you can read that. Number one, establish a time when you as a family will read the Bible together and just keep it simple. And then out of it, what one thing do you get out of the passage that you're going to do this week? If you're not doing it, then don't take the Rolls Royce end of it and do it at every single meal. Give yourself a break and do it once a week. And then just take it from there. Establish a time when you and your family can listen to Jesus together. Number two, initiate prayer. Model it for your kids, for your family. Certainly at meal times, but when they're sick, when they've got decisions to make, when they're in needs, just normal everyday life, pray. And tell them, ask them to pray. If they're worried about friends or homework or whatever, let's talk to Jesus about that. Let it permeate. It's real. It's part of your life. 
Talk with one another about spiritual things. Talk to your kids about the sermon. What was Daryl talking about today? What was Kids Church about today? What did you learn? What answers to prayer have you had recently? Protect your kids. Protect your kids from satanic and worldly influences. Watch what they watch on TV, what movies they're exposed to, what devices they have, what books they're reading. Protect them. Expose, number five, expose your kids to faith-building events, Christian concerts, Christian seminars, kids' church, kids' club, youth groups, D-teams. Expose them. Give them plenty of opportunity to be able to learn the truths of the faith. Teach them, number six, about giving, about serving, and about obeying those in authority over you, and most of all, lead them to Christ. That was the reading that Tony brought to us out of Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Paul, writing to Timothy, says, through, uh, Tim's faith came through his mum and grandmother. God used Paul to get him across the line to give his life to Christ, but that was following years of influence of his mother and his grandfather being godly influences in Timothy's life. They had a sincere faith. They believed, they were listening, they were following. That impacted him. Next generation. That's how God seems to work. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says the same thing, that they instructed him in the scriptures. You do the same. Buy them a Bible, help them to learn it. And look for evidences of genuine conversion. If little Billy or little, little Sally at the age of five prays the prayer for Jesus to come into their heart and life to be their friend forever, that's wonderful. It's exciting. But it's not finished yet. He's got a five-year-old's faith. He can't have any other one. So continue to look for growth and commitment as they age. Don't assume it's all done and dusted. Watch them grow. Are they sorry about sin? Do they increasingly love God, Bible and the church? Do they want to learn more about God? Are they sensitive to pleasing God? Do they understand sin? Do they understand Jesus and he's a substitute that he died in their place? Do they understand God wants them to be changing, to become like him? Lead your kids to faith in Jesus. And what you can do finally is pray. Pray. Pray for your kids to come to Christ. Pray for your kids to know uh, more about him. But pray for God to give your kids godly mentors, good Sunday school, kids church leaders, good youth leaders, good teachers, good friends who are going to influence them for him. I got time to tell you this story very quickly. There was a pastor, a minister. He had a little kitten in the family. That's a sinful for a start. But anyway, had a little kitten. They're at the back uh, playing one day, and their kitten had shimmied up a tree way to the top, and he couldn't get it. And the kids were dis uh, distraught. And Daddy, can you help? And he, you know, he said, yep, Daddy to the rescue. So he goes and gets a rope. He climbs as far up the tree as he can get, about halfway, ties a rope around it, and then comes back down and ties that to the back of a car. Plan was, he was going to slowly, slowly move the car forward. The rope would slowly, slowly bend the tree down, and then the pussycat, they'd be able to reach him. <laughs> Don't get ahead of me. <laughs> so he gets in the car, daddy to the rescue. So cars moving slowly, slowly forward, trees bending, bending slowly, cars moving slowly, slowly forward, rope breaks. The rope breaks. 
Pussy gone. That's it. I got nothing else. You won't remember anything else from today except this story. Two weeks later, pastor's visiting a member of the congregation. Goes inside the house, sees a kitten in the hallway. His kitten. He knows it's his kitten. He says to the owner, this new congregation member, that's a lovely little kitten you have there. How long have you had her? You're not going to believe this, Pastor, this person says. It was a Saturday afternoon, it was very sunny, and my kids were out in the backyard and were playing, and they were just pestering me, Mommy, 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 can we have a cat? Can we have a cat? And I said, No. Mommy, 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 can we have a cat? So finally I said, let's talk to Jesus. So we knelt down <laughs> and we prayed and we said, Lord Jesus, if you want us to have a cat, you send us a cat. And we opened our eyes. <laughs> You're not going to believe it. When we pray, things happen. When we don't pray, coincidence stop happening pray for your kids pray and let God work things out how he wants to what would Jesus say to you as a mum today what Jesus say to all of us today believe in him listen to him follow him and then teach and train the next generation influence them for him let's pray together Thank you again, Heavenly Father, that you're a God who loves us. Can you help each of us to simply do what Jesus would want us to do? To believe and trust him. To listen to him regularly. And then to be obedient, to follow what he is saying to us. And Lord, could you give us opportunities, not just to live appropriately, but also to teach and to train the next generation, our kids, our grandkids, and even our neighbours' kids have an influence for you in this world. We acknowledge, Heavenly Father, that behind every great man and great woman is a mum who influenced them. So now their lives are in our hands. We ask for your help. May we with Joshua be able to declare, but as for me and for my family, we will serve the Lord. Grant this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand.